in the Collins Elite research, what they came to the conclusion was, not only are we dealing with phenomena that knows when people die, it can simulate near-death experiences. It can play the role of a lover, a wife, a husband. It is manifested as Jesus to Christians, Muhammad to Muslims, Mickey Mouse to children. It, in their hypothesis, was essentially, it has the ability to peel you out of yourself. Welcome back. I'm here again with Nathaniel Gillis. Daniel, welcome back, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. We ended in a bit of a cliffhanger last time. We were talking about the government using experiencers for whatever they're experiencing, get, kind of getting into the prophecy business. And one thing that I'm going to touch on, given that that's the name of this episode, is the Collins Elite and how this all intersects, this phenomenology intersects with ufo phenomenology so let's start with where we left off with the chris bledsoe case essentially and the government stepping in and kind of making profits out of people well first of all i i and i have to place a caveat here i've never met chris I, i've talked to him i think private message like once or twice very kind gentleman very very genuine as well i like him i don't you know i don't hate him or anything and i i I don't know my son either. I've watched a couple of their shows, Bledsoe said. So, so this is not, oh my God, I'm personally attacking Bledsoe. Not at all. Oh, no, no, no. no. I, and and, and right. I would, like, I, I've I've interviewed him too, and I think he's salt of Super the earth. Cool Absolutely. Uh, uh, and and he's like very, and I don't deny that he experienced what he experienced. Like, I, I am firmly convinced that, that he has. What I don't know, and because, again, I'm just looking at this from the outside. I don't know what the intent of these beings are. To him, he, he seems to be see them as genuine, wanting to help humanity, things like that. <laughs> and I believe that he believes that, but I I just don't know. And, and unless you right. experience this stuff personally, I just don't know. And right. so let, let's just like with all the love and and kindness of. Chris, we're not right. I'm just right. again I care about truth I am focused on Correct. the truth and understanding what's going on and I'm perfectly willing to accept either explanation so with that yeah absolutely uh we're on the same page there so my thing is this and this is something that the literature it will not only teach us but it will discipline us if we do not employ this technique the manifestation is not the message. Mm -hmm. It's not. Documenting the manifestation does not prove their message true. <gasps> Just being honest here. Be real. Well, I filmed it. Therefore, I understand who they are. Doesn't mean a dang thing. Right? We filmed serial killers, too. We didn't know they were serial killers when we filmed them. Yeah, all we know all we know is that something non-human well i don't we can't even say they're non-human right we can't even say they're non-human right? right i'm looking at formerly human which we'll get into that in a little bit too but the idea that's being presented if it's documented the manifestation's been documented 
then what they're telling me as the entities is true and accurate. What? Right. What? Now, again, that is a fallacy that the phenomenon is using. Right? Of course I'm your dear Aunt Edna. You've got my apparition. Are you, right? Are you doing what dear Aunt Edna would do? Hell no. Right? See what I'm saying here? You, you, right. Oh, we have them on film. Oh, the government's been here. Oh, been, it doesn't matter. We can document the manifestation. We can monitor the miracle, if you will. But the message that we're seated would be completely wrong. And so we're validating, again, we're validating the beings based upon, oh, man, how many people have witnessed it with me? At one point, I did a show well, probably two or three years ago now where, okay, there was an individual that saw the dog get healed. Well, it's focused on the dog getting healed, but not on the phenomenon cutting him open. Yeah, I've always wondered about that. This the, the blood so dog, right? Right. Well, they're healers. Well, who cut them open? And if the phenomenon's willing to cut something open, just to show you it again, we're being hoodwinked, in my opinion, by the miracle. And we're propping up the miracle or we're propping up the message with the manifestation. And that is another way, again, that I believe the phenomenon is bypassing what we would usually use to say, okay, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's something wrong here. Getting back to the way they're making profits, absolutely. This is why, okay, do you want to contact them? Come through me. I have my own rituals. I have my own prayers. Even to the point where we have, uh, I think it's Travis Taylor building altars. Yes. Building Say more altars. about that. Say more about that altars to contact the phenomenon let me i'm getting passionate and again work with me i haven't done a show in a while where is finally vince ladies and gentlemen travis Absolutely. taylor building altars who would build an altar to an alien <gasps> unless unless there's something deeper at work here this is where I and my colleagues are at. We're looking at a way to test them. Right. For instance, okay, Jesus, even for those who don't believe he existed, Yeshua, first century, even for those who, who just believe it was a fairy tale, even the fairy tale would never have Yeshua saying that Ra in Egyptology is a god. It is antithetical to everything we know. So then why would this new Jesus tell us what the old Jesus would never tell us? Right? Again, it, it goes back to this. Okay, Dr. Michael Heiser, a Hebrew scholar, just recently passed. Rest in peace. He was an incredible scholar. But do you really think that the phenomenon would have abducted a Hebrew scholar and tried to convince a literate man, hello, I'm Jesus, test me. Okay, what did Jesus teach? What did he believe? Oh, well, Ra's God. Nope. <laughs> right? 
Let's like Durant Edna was a big Phillies fan, but this new Durant Edna, eh. I like the Red Sox. That what? Right? It doesn't match. So it seems to have some sort of ability to the phenomena of telepathy. But what you seem, seem to say is that it doesn't, it's not 100%, it's not foolproof, right? Because if it could read your mind, it would have all the right answers. Right, right. Remember what I said, the rivets in the UFO, right? Even, yes, absolutely, essentially, yes. So there is this, I'll pick things out of your brain and I'll use it. And then, you know, do you believe me or not? This is why, again, and I'm not being religious here, but there is an ancient text that tells us to test test them. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? And again, back to my point, they, the likelihood of them abducting a Hebrew scholar and convincing them that, hi, number one, I'm Jesus, and I'm going to teach you something that's ahistorical, antithetical, and anathema to what the real Jesus taught, it would have been laughable. Absolutely laughable. One thing that certainly adds credence to your thesis mm -hmm. is oftentimes they're very interested in religion and kind of saying that your religions are not really, you know, we created them, we did this, yeah. and we did that, which, you know, could, look, could, could be true, but it's an odd thing to be Correct. focused on or talking about. Well, yeah, if, if if this phenomenon is not supposed to be religious at all, then why are they bringing, right. bringing uh, again, bringing religious figures to religious people? That is unique. But it really isn't when you think about it. But again, Michael Heiser would have laughed him off because now you've got to pick Heiser's brain. And Heiser knows for sure. Okay, we have history here. You can't create your own history. We have a narrative that's interwoven throughout the halls of the past, and he never taught that the God of Egypt is the God of the Bible. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word ra means evil and possessing. <gasps> right. And my point, though, again, is that there has to be a testing mechanism here, and the testing mechanism cannot be manifestation mm -hmm. because they've manifested, right? Oh, I'm Durant Edna. Well, what do we have? Right. Okay, so getting back to this one medium that I know, he's 20, 20 years. His mother, guide them, mother, guide them. Okay, you know, what do I do with this relationship? His mother says, okay, I want you to do A, B, and C. And then in like the, the 20th year, his mother tells him, you know, I want you to do this and this. And then he's like, wait a minute. My mother would never tell me to do that. It's antithetical. It, it doesn't make any sense. And then he starts to think, whoa. The entire time. Right. Test them. One of my heroes in the field, Barry Fitzgerald, another one, Steve Mara, Dr. Barry Fitzgerald, Steve Mara. Both of them have said that. And I can't stress it enough myself. We have to figure out a way to test them. It cannot possibly be the government believes in this. That's not enough. The government's been in my house. That's well, I mean, the government knows it exists, but what the government thinks about it, they're not telling. And I will, no. and nothing against him. I, you know, like I said, he's a great guy. He seems a very genuine, but again, genuine people, right? 
getting back to this idea, okay, there is collusion going on between our government and the Catholic Church and the Vatican, 100%. I know that's a fact. Well, it's the whole Tim Taylor thing, right? Going through the Vatican archives, uh, right. Diane Pasulka, right. But again, our government and the Vatican, they do not see these people, in my opinion, they don't see these people as living, breathing individuals. It's a test figure, okay? Testing subject, you know, hey, can we look at your wrist? Can we look at your body? Can we do, you know, but, oh, okay, sweet. Mm -hmm. And then I'll feed you some misinformation. Hey, man, you know, you want to go do some rituals? You know, what, what, what was he invited to? Bohemian Grove. Yeah. Letso was? Yes. When did that happen? I don't know when it happened, but Ryan, I think it's Ryan, his son Ryan. Said, but again, okay, how would I get you to really misunderstand what's going on? Oh, welcome to Bohemian, Bohemian, Bohemian Grand. Like, okay, so you have Bledso and what, Bill Gates? Like, does that even make any sense? No, it's almost like a, a disinformation campaign. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll put you in the Bohemian Grove. You know, it's all of this stuff. I, I don't know what to think. I just, I, I do not. It's not that I don't trust the experiencer. He's worthy of trusting. I don't trust the experience. I don't trust the message. And when you look at the way religions have been created, even with Muhammad, an angel manifested to him. Recite, recite. He recites, someone writes. Okay, there's always a manifestation accompanying an experiencer of something. Somebody, oh, I witnessed this. I experienced it. It's a profound. It left me with a, a profound state of bliss, and now I have to share it. And that's what they're doing. Now, the problem begins again for us is when they interweave religion, then we have a frame of reference, whether they want to acknowledge this or not. If they're referring to Jesus, then we have to go to Jesus. We can't leave it alone, right? And, and that's when I start having a problem. When they start teaching doctrine, mm -hmm. that, and I've been on shows with, I mean, not, not just a show, but the host of the show, Catholic priests and, and people that are very into Catholicism, the Vatican, and that's what they're looking at. Even evangelical movements, as wrong as some of them are, they're even looking at this thinking, what kind of an extraterrestrial would be like, hey, listen, I'm Jesus. Yeah. And I have a met, right? Is this making sense? And I'm, I know I'm not, you don't have to agree with everything, and I respect that. But what I'm simply suggesting is we've got to test not, not what they're showing us. What are they communicating? Is it real? Now, the reason, one of the, another reason why I say that is even with remote viewing, specifically with the gentleman I was working with, he had prophecies. Hundreds of prophecies written down. Okay. And inevitably, what the, and Dr. Color Turner highlights this, but Hopkins, David Jakes, a bunch of others, that the phenomenon will bait someone. I'm going to give you prophecies. They're going to be, they're going to be real. They're going to happen. Two truths and, and a uh, lie, basically. At a certain, absolutely, at a certain point, they'll give you something that is so out of left field. What? How could the same intelligence know when people are going to die? But somehow fumble the bag when it comes to something so trivial. Then you start to see through the veil. 
what is really going on here? So what's the government's angle in all this, in your opinion? Like, why are they, oh. like, what What do they know? And uh, this is kind of, mm-hmm. start. we start talking about Collins Elite stuff. Yes. What do they know? And are they sharing it with these experiencers? Are they utilizing them as tools, tools of prophecy, like you talked about? We have a lot of problems here with our government, uh, specifically with this subject matter. Number one, there seems to be a faction within our government that knows when people are being taken. In Nick Redfern's book, The Final Events, he talks about a case. I think her name was Tammy Stone, I believe. And she's in her car and she sees this UFO. She gets out of the car, looks up at it instantaneously. She's out of her body, looking down back at it triggered by location in her and she said it was almost like a dream it was very strange the next morning she awakens to a knock at the door seemingly a government official asks her did you recently there we go men in black uh did you recently have a nightmare about seeing a ship and being taken out of your body how did you know that? I never even told. I just happened. I need to tell my mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not important. So, if it is our government, then they know when some of these events take place. If it's not, it's the phenomenon of monitoring our memories. There are things that they want us to remember. That's not what I'm after. I'm after what they're wanting us to forget. Mm-hmm. And so referring back to our government, what did they know? Obviously, I can't sit here and say I know what they know. I can tell you that there are implications. The college late research is still ongoing under, under, under a different name, under a different linguistic umbrella. I can tell you that within the Collins elite research, Department of Defense, people from the Department of Defense, rather, physicists, mm-hmm. you know, were going around the world in the country, specifically L.A., one of the people they, they talked to was Sybil Eade, which was a contemporary to Aleister Crowley. And they asked Sybil Eade when she moved from the UK to Los Angeles, they asked her, you know, how well did you know Aleister? Well, he performed rituals in front of me. We talked. He would come in for tea. He would talk to me about his research, his encounters, all of that. And they asked her, well, you're a channeler. And she said, yes. Have you ever channeled the beings that he was in contact with? No. Can you try to? Sure. Turns the lights out, lights some candles, goes into her trance instantly. Something takes over her consciousness, commandeers it. And I'm here. What do you want? Right. Well, you know who we are. Yes, I do. What do you want? We want to know if you're extraterrestrial. You fools, you really believe that? This is our newest deception. And then, what happened? Nothing. They wrote it down. Great talking to you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Why would the entity tell them that? I have no idea. Why would it, again, obviously, especially in epidemiology, they all lie. They all lie, but they, they only tell the truth when they give you their name. That's what they say, right? So there's this game being played, but why would, 
why would again why would an et tell people that we got we only had a few scenarios here that the et is the newest inception why would an extraterrestrial so again getting back to what the government believes i know that that field of research is ongoing it's ongoing and some of my mentors have told me you know they've been to the vatican and that the vatican have, has told them that according to their records that the war that we were told has ended is still ongoing in that that we as a species are in the middle of it which i think is a weird take on it but, a war like what what uh, kind of war they're coming from theology so the war in heaven angels versus demons and we're in the middle of it it's still ongoing it's not one now like i said it's a very unique take but i want to go into the collins elite research a little bit deeper because we have ufologists in the field and especially on ufo twitter which i'm not a part of thank god where it's like okay well the government you know there are people in the government let's say you know i had to do the voice because it's honestly when i read it that's what i put in my head like, wait a minute gotta be how they sound when they say it people in the government they're like, you know, this is all demons and, and they didn't want this research done. And then they go on saying, okay, and forget all that. And But why did they say that? Because a lot of people, especially in UFO Twitter and these people, okay, they'll suggest about any evidence. By the way, that, that was a good impression of Tom DeLonge, but like, let's keep going. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. All the small things. Yeah. You know, the idea that they give us is that well they're all full of crap they don't know anything they're saying this because they grew up in sunday school hold on a minute this is what i put on ufo twitter years ago i thought it was laughable i said all right look at this in the bibliography of nick redfern's book he's got hundreds of references to books not just that nick has read in, in the production of this literary offering but specifically the research in the literature that the Collins elite read in the people the Collins elite spoke to. Mm -hmm. The question I offered was very simple. Well, by so, the way, just for folks who don't know, what is yeah. the Collins elite? Just really quickly. Okay, the Collins elite was a group in our federal government. Most of them were physicists. They, they worked for the Department of Defense. And it, admittedly, they did have a, an evangelical, if not yeah, evangelical background, basically. And so their interest lied in whether or not the phenomenon we're discussing is demonic in nature, or if it's not. That's essentially what it was. And so they went to demonologists, went to witches, experiencers, and their hypothesis at the very end of the book, not only did they believe this was demonic, but they believed that we should all be keeping the Mosaic Law, which is strange for me. <laughs> Why would they think that? What information did they have that even suggested it made a difference but and I, well I they, they were also super super depressed I, I, if i remember yeah. correctly some of them were actually baited into doing some of these rituals and as a result yeah. they were kind of ensnared by the whole thing so it was pretty it ended pretty despondently yes. and right like they were just like we're doomed was kind of the well what, the what they realized is something Absolutely. What they realize is something that is grieving to anybody that's being honest about it. But what they realize is that we cannot control them. We cannot define them. 
the vocabulary that we inherited from our ancestors, it no longer works. You know, it's, it's it, 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 not only does it not work, but the laws we were told they follow, they do not follow. And so what they were doing is they were taking rituals from Crowley and Parsons, and even locally here at Wright Pat, they were performing the Parsons technique. And this is something that's not new, right? And this gets back to Diana Walsh Pasuka and Travis Taylor. When you're looking at esotericism being employed to reach these beings, it once more points to them not being extraterrestrial. It points to them being seen. This is constantly, it was almost like we're dealing with ascended masters who were using sorcery and technology, both of them, as a way to control this world. This is why, okay, the parts technique, again, he was a scientist, but he was a conjurer. Well, and that's kind of allegedly, at least in the book, how he died. He died in the fire, right? Where yeah, allegedly he had conducted a ritual. And then I think shortly thereafter, you had the crash at Roswell, if that's yeah. if I had the timeline correct. Is that right? Yes. And I think it was shortly after Crowley's death that you had these manifestations. I believe it was either Crowley or Parsons. But yeah, so the idea here, though, is that if I leverage my consciousness. Also, Parsons. Explain who Parsons and yeah. Crowley are for uh, people. Parsons who was a no rocketeer. Idea. Yeah, he was a rocketeer, and it's really cool. And he, he founded was, he Caltech, was, right? Absolutely, yes, yes, he did. And his whole thing was—he was a brilliant guy. But he believed that if he leveraged his consciousness and leveraged his own soul, which is what happened at the end, that he would gain insight into their world, and they would give him crumbs of technology. This gets back to the nuts and bolts aspect which we, you mentioned early on in the other show, it's not nuts and bolts or just nuts and bolts. There's consciousness involved. There's esotericism. There's ritualistic or ritual, all of this. And it's a weird box of nuts because none of this should, should play into the other. You, you know, specifically, if you're looking at the mechanical mind, okay, yeah, this works. Okay, what, about, what if you pray about it? What? Why don't you go do a blood ritual and see if, you know, would never make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And yet right. that's what was occurring. Like I said, even the Collins elite, a lot of their research is still being performed, but even locally at the Wright Pet Air Force Base, they were performing allegedly the Parsons technique, which I still have not been able to find. It wasn't just sex magic. It was something that he only shared with a few that our government, because of the Collins elite research, got a hold of. And according to, to reference research and communicating with these individuals, they were performing these incantations and rituals at Wright Pat to the point where they actually were given a piece of metal. So this is like apportations, basically. Yeah, actually, Grant, Grant, Grant Cameron's actually st like is starting to pursue that line of inquiry because he's a bit fed up with the whole UFO community, is it real? Is it not? Yes, it's real. Let's move on. But the, the supports right. thing is starting to become more and more prevalent, which is kind of Absolutely. interesting. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. And, it, and it, again, it's another interconnectivity between demonology, ufology, and ontology. We've had apportations for hundreds of years in ontology. You know, that, that's not my wallet. Open it up. It's, oh, my God, it's the neighbors. Or, you know, and you, we, we see this over and over again. Real, real quick, Alistair Crowley. Alistair. Yep. Uh, if you just quick background on him too for folks who don't know 
Yeah, well, he was a ritual magician. And so he took Kabbalistic rituals, bastardized them. There was a lineage. Let's back up. There was a lineage. There was a guy named Rommel the Mage who created his religion, his basically religion and his rituals off of Kabbalistic material. Names of God, names of angels, right? You do this at a certain time of the day. You say these words, all that stuff. Now, and this gets very interesting, too, because I did a lecture. You can look it up on YouTube. Who's conjuring who? That. If you want to watch something that'll make you want to just drink and drink and drink and drink, just to run away from it all, that's what starts to get really dark. It's like, oh, my God, what is this? Who's conjuring who here? The question was, okay, so Brahman the Mage starts out with, okay, here are all my rituals. I have the book. Uh, I can't find it. Anyways. He talks about his rituals and his incantations. And he says, okay, the first thing you have to understand is if you do not have a fear of the divine, these will not work. That's how he starts it out. And I know you asked about Alistair Crowley. I'm going to get to him in a second. I have to build a foundation for us to really encapsulate what he was and what he brought to the table. None of these will work. These are numbers. And essentially, it's like a phone number. But if you don't have an, a connection to power, electricity, it will not work. It's just done. It's impossible. And so when he died, he wrote a book, A Brahman the Mage. He, he gave it to his children. And that's how A Brahman the Mage came forth with all of his incantations. And then we have a, a, a Lifeus Levi, another Kabbalistic magician. A Lifeus Levi inherited all of these traditions and techniques. And again, his foundation was rooted in the fear of Yahweh and the fear of the divine, the fear of God. Now, both of them, oh, this is going to blow your mind, encountered a form of sorcery that they considered to be angelic. Now, the first time it happened was a Brahman the mage when he encountered someone who was using symbols from Egyptology, Egyptian hieroglyphics, in mixing them with different traditions, and then, okay, you have, you're getting results from something or someone. Is this all right? You following me? Okay. So, Elifus Levi picks that up, and he also, he doesn't dabble in the angelic sorcery. But he does, again, rooted in the fear of God. And then you have Aleister Crowley coming through. He wants to employ Solomonic magic. He wants to employ a problem the mages rituals. He wants to pull from Elias Levi. The fact, though, and this is the problem. He wanted to take angelic sorcery and mix it in with all of the above. Now, if you look at the way the other incantations were built, right? If you do not have the fear of the divine, which Crowley didn't, he hated it, right? He, he believed in us, whatever. We'll have to get on that, that, that path. But anyways, none of this should have worked. And yet when Crowley performed these rituals, something responded. And in my lecture, Who's Conjuring Who? I begin it with the shortest horror story ever told. The last man on earth is alone in his house. And there came a monk. What is that something? Mm -hmm. That is what we're dealing with here. In the Collins Elite research, what they came to the conclusion was, not only are we dealing with phenomena that knows when people die, it can simulate near-death experiences. It can play the role of a lover, a wife, a husband. 
it is manifested as Jesus to Christians, Muhammad to Muslims, Mickey Mouse to children. It, in their hypothesis, was essentially it has the ability to peel you out of yourself. What are we dealing with here? We do not have the vocabulary for a reason. We don't know who, what, where, when they are. For thousands of years, something has been here. We just don't know what it is. That is what they came to the conclusion of, and it was not good. I asked this before, but I'll ask it again. What does this phenomena gain by torturing? I mean, if you accept that mm -hmm. abductions are kidnapping and you know, there's insemination, yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff. What does it gain from playing these games? Like, what's in it for the entity? Mm -hmm. So, there are, this gets back to demonology. There were two dominating hypotheses in history. One is that these are fallen angels. And that these somehow may retain their divinity in a way, and now they're just trying to inseminate women. That does, it falls flat. When you look at the data that we have collected, not just in the physical case studies, the pictures, documentation, but the literature, there's something much more malevolent. The, the other hypothesis that I'm working on, and it, it encompasses all of them, it is future human. It's also formerly human. The other hypothesis is that these are unclean spirits of biblical antiquity and Mesopotamian literature. They're disembodied. And because of this, my theory, because of their disability of being, being without being a being, what they're trying now is to further their existence by self-replicating through women. Now, getting back to this Collins elite research, we see this performance throughout all of history, even with the red right. Now, the red right, this is incredible. Remember how I told you before in the last show that we're looking at screenshots of an event and those screenshots we've compartmentalized, not realizing mm -hmm. that if we just put it as a video, we'll see it for what it is. Case in point, with dealing with this uh, magician, magi, ascended master theory, these magicians in Mesopotamia had a ritual that they would perform when their body their container was dying. You ready for this? They would go and kidnap a woman. They would inseminate her with seed. They would create a baby inside of them. Hello, Apocryphon of John, remember? Check. And then they would transfer their consciousness out of that body into that fetus. Now they have a new body. They would do this over and over again to the point that now we have lineages where this person died a thousand years ago or a hundred years ago and yet their great 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 grandson identical now i'm not david ike i love david ike i'm gonna be on uh their show i don't know you know what i mean i don't know but that does play a big part of that and i think he's onto something and specifically with that because here's what they were trying to do I want a body that looks like my apparition. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, right, and I now have a body. Now, this gets back into possession and pregnancy. Is this okay? Am I rambling or is this making sense? 
No, you're talking about bloodlines and why they might be attracted to particular bloodlines stretching all the way back to ancient Mesopotamia, right? Right. Okay, cool. So here's the deal. We're looking at afterlife phenomena. How many times have we heard that rise? It, just, it shows up throughout all the literature, even with Kenneth Arnold. Okay, what is this? It seems like it's afterlife. That's what he thought. This is afterlife phenomena. Whitley Strieber and his wife. What were we experiencing? It looks and feels like there's a measure of death here. What are we dealing with? So if we're getting back to the hypothesis that I'm working on, it's not that they're aliens. It's that I believe that we're dealing with formerly human entities in that there is a self-replication process being employed. Now, getting back to this, <laughs> I don't want to ramble on it. It seems like I, and I don't want no, to. No, this is fascinating. Okay. So getting back to, to Ian Stevenson's work, he worked with people that had past lives. And when you look at, at, this is incredible, he was talking to people who would literally tell him, this is how I died. Well, how'd you die? Oh, well, I got stabbed in the neck or, you know, I, I fell underneath a chariot in Egypt and I broke my neck in the area where the wheel punctured or something punctured their neck. Now it's a birthmark. Yep. The death wound becomes the birthmark, even to the point that, that when he was dealing with later cases, it's so interesting where he had one woman who said, you know, my name was so-and-so. Really? How'd you die? She tells him. So he would actually go through the records and pull up with that individual. She died when this person said she did, and their faces looked almost identical to each other. So again, there is this aspect of the phenomenon wanting. Ugh. Were there bloodline connections, or was it I more about... Because you know, similar DNA would get you some like a similar result, but right, you know, no blood loss. Completely different country, completely different kind of. You know what I mean? So it's it's very unique. But when we're getting into this uh, this willingness, not willingness, the desire to self replicate, we one of the questions that I, I started with was, okay, why would you want to replicate? What's the necessity? Well, well it's almost and there's theories out there. Okay, well, they're a dying species. Well, okay, I can go with that. Right, they're trying to keep their bloodline, but I think again that it's consciousness that we're dealing with—not just the bodies, the hybrid, but the consciousness that's in them. Can I go down this road for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So, this is why uh, understanding Mesopotamian literature is highly important. In biblical antiquity, they had the understanding of the unclean spirit, Tumaruwa. Tumarua was not just an unclean spirit, it was consciousness. They had what's called the open vessel law, and that was essentially if you go into a house and there's a corpse there, what they would do is they would go around, do all of their, they would go to their cupboards, they'd have all their, uh, their pottery, and they would close all the vessels, close all the doors, because they did not want the consciousness of that corpse to inhabit the house the vessels, and more importantly, themselves. Now, we're dealing with the hybridization program, right? We're supposed to be. We're dealing with beings that are trying to self-replicate through the wombs of women. We are. Mm -hmm. Let's go down a very dark alley. In the 16th century, there was the CE5 movement, who, even though they had a different tradition of who these beings were, still operated on the basic premise of good intentions. Our intentions with them determine their intentions with us. And so they would meet. 
Okay, they would meet in, in you know, on, on hilltops, they'd meet in basements. They would try to contact the phone. This is called the Dybbuk. Right? The Hebrew, the Hebrew demon, basically. Correct. Now, oh, it's incredible. So these people are reaching out to the phenomenon and, oh, my God, give me access to my ancestors. And I want to understand more about the other world. And I want this veil to thin and give me insights, would you? And then after that, people were going to bed at night and being visited in their dreams. Not just that, but you see the sexual pathology manifest again. Remember what I told you before? Even as the phenomenon evolves, it will always reincorporate certain aspects of its agenda. Hoping that you forget that's what it was doing a thousand years ago. It doesn't matter. That's a new man's. I'm an alien now, so who cares? I'm doing the same thing. So this is another one of these case studies. Women were going to bed at night. They're being accosted by entities in their dreams. They were called dream demons. Now, they were being induced in the dream states. Hmm. And then the being would inseminate, just like in Genesis 6, Apocrypha of John, all of that. And what's so interesting is the next morning, these women would think, okay, that was the weirdest thing in the world. But thank God it was a just a dream. Then again, they would go to work. They would have ligature marks on their wrists and on their ankles, bruises, sometimes teeth marks, all of the above. So next thing you know, from that initial experience to the nightmare, now they start having memories that do not belong to them. Oh, my God, you're starting to see it. We've got it, right? Because now you're looking at it thinking they're inserting memories. These are screen memories. They do not belong to that individual. And so these women are thinking, okay, why, why do I remember eating a, a baguette or a beignet in France? I've never been to France in my life, but I can taste it. It's right, these different memories. And I remember this, and yet that's not really what I was experiencing. And they were confounded and conflicted. And then all of the sudden, they're possessed by another consciousness. Another voice. Sometimes it was a different gender. So now it's not just memories. It's consciousness that has commandeered their body, stemming from that initial contact. Make it sense? It's following me? I know it's, it's mm -hmm. dark. Okay. All of a sudden, you start to see through the veil. You start to realize possession to us is pregnancy to them because once again the phenomenon mutated in in it's incredible not only were they accosted by the entity not only were they possessed by the entity that assaulted them but now the entity has crawled up in their womb as a fetus this is in between two worlds spirit possession cases in context from the middle ages Whatever, those are book references. Now, these women are pregnant. And when they go to the exorcists, again, your first exorcists were also physicians. They would perform the Lavouge method. They would put their thumb on the wrist. They would feel two heartbeats in one body, two pulses in one body. And not just that, but, but the woman is showing that's when demonology, for the first time in history, asked the most profound question yet. 
were these women impregnated by these beings or were they pregnant with them? Which leads us right into Betty Luca's abduction. Where did you get me? Yeah, they're us now. But they were in you. Now we're getting to the point. When they perform the exorcism, the phenomenon removed the consciousness from these women, but in doing so, they also took the fetus. Ugh. Ugh. And so then you have the entire scenario. It's not an incubus, it's not a succubus. It's not just a missing fetus syndrome, not just ufology, right? You see it for what it is. And that's why I'm, I'm of the opinion, okay, yes, they're hybrids, but not just the hybrid DNA. Whose consciousness is in these beings? This is, I'll end it with this. This is, or at least this rant. This is why in Genesis 6, they were called the Rephaim, the deceased, formerly human. This is why they were unclean spirits in Mesopotamia literature. They were disembodied, no bodies. They were looking for a new body to inhabit. So what did they do? Created new bodies for themselves. And, and lastly, that's why in the debut phenomenon, they, they consider the missing fetus syndrome as the impregnation of the dead into the bodies of the living. The, now we're landing in a whole different stretch of research, which I call necronetics, the genetics of necromancy. So what happens to these fetuses once they disappear they become them which are just kind of a non-physical slash physical this is like the homunculus absolutely and we've seen that we've seen that same thing a humunculi okay we'll put them in glass glass jars with what we've seen that in ufology and 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 i guess what i'm stressing here is what if we're dealing again with uh, it's technomancy it's necronetics, it's technology and necromancy. It's not AI. It's it's a species of the dead that has worn different masks. And yet when you look at it, it's trying to hack the afterlife. I do not want to have the discipline of being, and I'll shut up, I know I'm rambling, but that's why I'm at with my research because it includes everything. Even to the point of your, your implant. You know where your implant came from? Okay. In biblical antiquity and Mesopotamian literature, they used to have a technique of necromancy where they would carve amulets and names into small pieces of metal. Then they would take a corpse and implant that, hello, into that corpse. And through technomancy, the consciousness of that entity would merge with matter. And then it would stretch itself into that body. And now you have fleshly eyes, but ghostly vision. That's the implant. And, and it's not just me saying that. They've literally told people that. That's why they're alive, my friend. I'll shut up now because I'm going everywhere at once. But it's So in other words, the implant is kind of like that amulet where... They're implanting a portion right. of their consciousness in 100%. human being. Absolutely. And many of these abductees have been told, I'll get to a case study from Beyond UFOs in a second, but they've been told 
we can access everything in you from this little piece. That's why when we have people that are trying to reach for them, what are you doing? Right? It's fascinating. But even in the book Beyond Young Fillers, there's a gentleman that had an implant and he was talking about how he had been abducted since his youth and he would always know the protocol. He would always feel this energy in the room and he would, you know, oh my God, I got to prepare myself. They're going to get me again. He said one day I felt the energy in the room implant turns on next thing you know he's looking through their eyes as they're hovering over his house my question is if he was looking through their eyes who was looking through his not nuts and bolts well here's, here's another question if he was looking through their eyes they were looking through his but was something something looking through theirs so like a third true, true. absolutely it's it's on the table but I guess my point here today is that for whatever reason, the phenomenon wants us to believe it's new. And if it's new, there's a new origin. And if there's a new origin, we can exclude all of the other masks as one, all the other case studies that suggest otherwise. And we're landing, right? It actually nicely parallels what the U.S. government is currently doing. Yeah. Forget about everything before 2017. <laughs> we're just yeah, going right. to focus on 2017 and afterward, and that's right. what we're going to focus on, and we're going to restart everything. Regardless of whatever the explanation is, it's a very slippery phenomenon that just kind of, just when you think you're going to get close to it, it slips away. Now, is there a positive aspect to this thing, right? Like, is there, well, mm -hmm. if you have if you have demons, do you have angels? I don't know. Uh, I've been trying to get Dr. Colin Turner's book, The Masquerade of Angels, but it is not exaggerating. Because I've had people that have wanted to buy the book and then give it to me, put it, you know, add it to my library, which I was like, super awesome. I'll take that. It's $300, man. It's 300 bucks. But it's so expensive. Is it like a textbook or is it a. It should be a textbook, but it's not. It's, it's, one of, it's her last book, I believe. It was absolutely incredible. But essentially, it was, she was working with experiencers. We're being abducted by beings, and they ask these beings, are you angels? Yes, we are, but not like you, how you've been taught. What do you mean? How would you know what I've been taught, first of all? And this is incredible because they do have the ability to measure literacy and belief. I was working with an individual recently who told me that they started taking her as a kid, and so her exposure to literature was basically comic books, cartoons, drawing, coloring. And she said when they took her as a kid, they appeared to her as like a clown or a Mickey Mouse or something. And it's weird because they, she said that when she got older, she got taller, but they didn't. And, and so she said there was one day when she's like, man, she goes, I, I hadn't watched Mickey Mouse or, you know, I was a little bit older, but they still appeared to me as Mickey Mouse. And, and she said it so she's like, when I'm looking at this, this is incredible. This is something again, this, oh my God. She said, I'm looking into this being's eyes. And she's like, in my own mind, I'm thinking, I'm getting older, but you're not. Like, why are you still appearing as, you know, a, a cartoon character? I don't even read that. It's weird. Like, you know, and then it's her, it's, I started doing this. And she said, it felt like, Okay, now you know, right? The gig's up. You know I'm not Mickey Mouse. 
And so it's measuring her belief in it. Oh my God. Yeah, there was, there's another case that Grant Cameron talks about where there's this former military or you know, either a veteran or current military official. And these beings appear to him and the guy looks at him. He's like, your uniform's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it instantly shifts to the right uniform. Right. The other thing that he commonly mentioned is when he talks to experiencers, he asks, okay, you were abducted by a gray. Did they have any nipples? I'm like, actually, no. Do they have any genitals? I'm going to think of it. No. Right. So it's like these thought forms, essentially, where they just, you know, regardless of whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Right. Right. There is a back and forth with consciousness and like a participatory manifestation. Right. Like your belief system influences what you see in some way. 100%. And I think that we're all on board with that. I mean, I think the evidence is glaringly obvious there. The the question, though, is okay, why? What's really going on here? What am I not seeing? Why is this mating game being played in the way? You know, and and this is why I'm going to be on with Richard Willett, David Ike's pro on his thing. He's one to ask me, you know, hey, like, what about this? involves the simulation theory and it, it, a lot of this again if you look at the way games are played the alien is just the newest character mm-hmm. and the problem is we can and, and this is what i'm oh my god in the deepest recesses of my being there is a part of nathaniel that believes this it believe he believes i believe that the reason the alien is the alien to us is because it doesn't want to be vetted. Mm-hmm. You can vet Dear Aunt Edna because you have a history of that. You can vet Jesus, Muhammad. You can't vet me. Watch well, this. If, if, yeah. I mean, it's by definition a parasitic species that potentially is co-evolving right. with humanity. Co-evolving with us and through us and in us. Are they conjuring us to conjure them? Do they need an invitation? It sounds like they do, based on what you've been saying. Well, let's get it back to this parasitic hypothesis, something that I, I just it blew my mind about a month ago because I was like, oh, my God. This, okay, this non-threat narrative people are peddling in the field. Okay, they're not a threat to us because they're not killing us. That's stupid. It's lazy. Forgive me. You said it. So be real. It's lazy because uh, we slaughter thousands of cattle thousands we devour them and i love steak oh give me a flaming we also feed them and take care of them right up to the moment of slaughter because we need them to replicate and i mean that in both ways not us i'm talking about in relationship with us absolutely so if we're looking at a parasite the parasite is an absolute threat to its own now its job its desire is not to kill off the host its job and its goal is to survive well, I told you this disability of being, being without being a being. I have to. And so the survival of our species is very important because it's the survival of theirs too. And so it's this mortal portal aspect of, and it's all intertwined, of course. But again, the host's its job is to facilitate that organism. That organism doesn't want to kill the host. It wants to inhabit. This is the nature of possession.
this is the nature of pregnancy, the way they're employing it. And yes, so I'll shut up, but there's a lot to it. Well, I mean, you also hear common messages of environmental protection and things like that. But it, it, it yeah. That, but it's that's positive. It's positive, but it feeds right into what you're saying. <laughs> like if you had a host, you wouldn't want that host to destroy its environment in course, order to. It's not, really, it's not really our environment, is it? That's the thing. And I've heard some of my. my I've, I have to ask one of my mentors about this because he mentioned in a show he did. I'm like, mm, what do you mean? He said essentially that you know there's there's a reason why they're wanting to protect this planet. I think again, it's not ours; it's theirs. But, but there's this. Uh, all right, let's get Dr. Color Turner in her book taken. The very last chapter, she gets into this really interesting riff, and she starts talking about how uh, usually I think it was usually they would take her in her dreams, and she would think they're dreams, but they're actually abductions, and you know, mm -hmm. dream demons, and it took all that stuff. We covered that already. But then she's like, you know, she goes, one night, she goes, I asked God or the universe, is there anything good about all this? Because it sucks. You know, I'm suffering PTSD. My husband's PTSD. My kids have PTSD. It's really tough, you know, and, and I'm trying to be silenced. And so she said she went into another dream where it was like, oh, my God, this is bad. This is going to be really bad. And then all of a sudden, she said something very weird. It plucked her out of the dream itself. <laughs> yeah and she said it wasn't like they plucked my soul or my consciousness she said because i remember sitting in the chair they put me in physically touching it and thinking oh my god this is not a dream at all and she said she was sitting in front of a panel of beings she could not see their faces she could look up enough and she said they showed her as like a, a, a movie screen at a theater it was a looping video of Jacob and Esau. And I think it was Jacob. Jacob took Esau's birthright. And they would replay it over and over again, where Jacob goes to his father and wears the, the covering of Esau. Oh, you're furry. Yeah, give me that. I think it was. I believe I might be mistaken. But yes, here's a church boy saying that. But yes, so essentially he was trying to take his brother's birthright. And they would pause it. Dr. Turner, what do you see? This is incredible, incredible. And she would give her explanation on what, no, 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 no. Watch again. And they would start it back. What do you see? And she's like, they did this for like, like 25, 30 minutes. And finally, mm -hmm. they were like, all right, this is what's going on. There is a species that wants to look like you in order to take your inheritance. What is the inheritance? They said it is Earth. They want to look like him. This gets back to a movie. My favorite movie other than Tombstone is Dark City. Mm -hmm. Alex Proya's work. If you're familiar with it, when they said he's becoming too much like us, so we must become like him. There's... There's another movie called The Adjustment Bureau. Are you familiar with that? Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. It's less dark, but it's similar in a sense where you have these entities that basically control bloodlines and what happens and right. things like that. 
And this is something that Chris Bledsoe has said that the government tells him that that movie is very similar to what's going on around. It's a good model. I don't know if it's very similar, but it's a good model for what is going on in our reality. Now, how much would the government know? I don't, I don't know. I think they're probably more ignorant than most people think, but I think Mm -hmm. they still know, know more than most people do know. And I I think think they're just not getting to answers, right? They're just not getting to the right answers. Well, this gets back to, yeah, first of all, to get the right answer, we have to ask the right questions. And I think that's where we're at right now. Uh, you know, do we even have the vocabulary to ask the right question to get the right answer? That's it's, it's a struggle. But here's the problem. I mean, and somebody asked me the other day, okay, what do you think about this closure? Like Sean Cahill said, you know, if the government admits that these are here, that they are here, then they're going to have to admit to a lot of bad things that these these beings have mm-hmm. done to our species and at this point i think that's what why they're holding their tongue oh my god they're here what right you, you're telling you're telling you know the the single man who's never been intimate in his life that yeah you are actually a father you did father that boy or that being you know what i mean it's it, all of the abduction stuff is tethered to disclosure. And I think that's why they're, you know, I mean, they're giving us videos where it's like, you know, that was in Skunk Works. We know that. Or, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, you know, I can get it. What are they not telling us? And, and I don't know. That's not deep or anything. Well, but that's really where we're at. Well, yeah, no, I think if your hypothesis is correct, this entity is in a bind right now. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is, uh, you know, you, you don't, you can look at polls like Pew trust polls in government, right? They're in the U S government in particular, they're the lowest they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And the government has been so reliably lying to us about a multitude of mm-hmm. topics, like take the lab leak, you know, mm-hmm theory just as an example right it's widely known not 100 percent, but widely known that it was it leaked from a lab but if you had said that at the beginning of the pandemic you were racist right like just mm-hmm. stuff like the government yeah. has has done Question this stuff. one thing you're all of a sudden something else it's like how, how did that even happen well <laughs> it's like come on but like they've they like the only consistent theme is that they reliably lie to the population so and it, you know, without getting into politics, like the government, the inst- like institutions, maybe military, maybe be the only exception. There is widespread mistrust of institutions, and things are really shaky for mm-hmm. the institutions that are running the country right now. So again, if I were to accept, if I accept your hypothesis. There is a huge danger of chronic instability mm-hmm. and these bloodlines, many of them, you know, in an extreme case could be snuffed. I mean, even if you look outside the country and assume that the Russia, Ukraine situation spirals out of control and there's a nuclear exchange, mm-hmm. right? The ball game's over for whatever this is, because there ain't going to be no, there ain't going to be any humans right. for it. To, right. So, there's this dilemma does it 
whatever the phenomena is, allow for disclosure in order to survive or to ensure well, its survival. True, true. Something very fascinating. I had a case some, about three or four years ago where it was an incubi case. And I had already talked to the couple like twice, I've been there twice. And it was happening obviously to the wife and something was crawling in bed with her at night. Like she could feel it moving the, the bed and everything. And so the last time I had been there, the husband had partial paralysis, like a part of his face was, you know, and I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, he goes, I just got back from the hospital. It's Bell's palsy. He said, this is why I'm just not for a lot of these paranormal TV shows. Personally, he said that, uh, well, he goes, I was watching one of my favorite TV shows and they did the right of provocation. And he said, so I provoked whatever this was. And he said, when I did, he's like, I'm a veteran. You know, he's like, I, I can fight. He goes, I'm just I'm a tough guy. I got it from my dad. He's like, but I can't fight what I cannot see. Mm -hmm. He said, and finally, he's like, I challenged it in my own house. This is my house. You've got to go. He said, nothing happened. He's like, you know, dishes didn't go flying or anything. He said, uh, I went to bed that night. And he said, in the middle of a dream, he said, it felt like something took a fist and balled it up. And began to pummel me in my face. He said, so then he went to, woke up paralyzed, woke, went to the hospital. The guy, they did tests and said, okay, you have tremendous head trauma. What happened? You got a car wreck, you got a fist fight, like something has affected you neurologically. There's something wrong. So, anyways, that was the last time I've been in the house. So now I'm showing up at the house. I've already talked to them. I'll be there at seven o'clock. And the house is old, it has a, a wooden deck, and the deck is weird. Like the house is here, the deck is this way. It's, you don't go up and knock on the door, you go sideways to it. And so I'm knocking on the door and I'm looking through the window. I'm looking at this couple who are facing me, talking, eating dinner, talking. The TV's on, just hanging out. And I'm looking at them and I'm knocking on the door. Seven o'clock on the dot, man. I'm here. What's up? Let's go. Knock on the door. And it's a wooden door and I'm banging on And it's like 30 degrees, it's really cold. So I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Hello, dude. So finally, I texted my mentor at the time. I said, "Have you ever experienced anything like this?" He goes, "Yep." So finally, I called them. I watched the husband pick up the phone. Nate, where you at, man? Right here, man. We thought you just forgot us. I thought you were going to reschedule or something because we, you know, we're waiting here. We're anxious. You want to get this this thing taken care of? Do the investigation. I said, dude, I've been out here for twenty five minutes, banging on your front door. We haven't heard a thing. You had to. No, like where are you at right now? Right here. And then finally, they come to the door and open it. It's worse than we think. They can suspend laws of nature. Well, it might not be. Oh, it might not be that weird. they need to suspend law of nature. The laws of nature. They can just cut off your sensation to yep. your, Absolutely. you know, op, All of you know, yeah, auditory, whatever your connection. Oh. Oh, oh, one yeah, last what, one. This is this is a dark question. So, the internet, mm -hmm. mass communications. Has this enhanced the ability of a phenomena to 
do what it does? In some ways, I mean, when we look at the propaganda that they're employing, even especially in a, a new age movement and esotericism, you know, this is what our government found out. Getting back to the internet, okay, I read this on the internet, it must work. No, you know, like okay, like okay, if you build a, a circle of salt, they'll stay in it until they beat you up. Which we've seen that. So the internet is good at disseminating propaganda. Mm -hmm. And it's just like with this TV show this gentleman mentioned, like, is that a tested method? What are you doing? Well, I saw it. I had, I, you know, and so the question I'm asking myself is, where is this propaganda coming from? Right? There are rules. There, there are smoke and mirrors. And then, okay, we'll go left thinking we're going to get them. And they're right. You know what I mean? And so I do believe the internet is good in propagating the lies that the phenomenon wants us to believe. Is it a threat uh, for that, also propagating the truth to the phenomena? I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. But if we have factions within the government that will take things down that it doesn't want published, mm -hmm. like there are plenty of shows that I've been on where even my shows where, okay, oh, well, we're, we're, we're making that private. Why? I didn't, I didn't even talk about the government. I was talking about, you know, the fun. Oh, no, no, we're good. We're good. And, and again, if you get too close to it, it will, it, it will manifest. It will demonstrate. It's like, it's, a, it's like in the uh, Skinwalker Ranch cases where Axelrod, whoever he was, shows up and, and you know, he's from the Pentagon and the phenomenon again. And, and Bigelow and, and a few people have also mentioned this. It will literally measure your intellect, your intentions, your beliefs. And then base its next step off of you. Are you a threat to me? Let's go. It's like Axelrod. You know, he's there. He's, he's observing and documenting for the Pentagon. The next thing I know, his wife calls him. Hey, listen, we got a problem. What do you mean? Whatever you're looking into is looking into you. And it's at our house. This is why, like, when I, I, I've done shows four hours long before, never recorded. Said it's recording. Never did. I've been on shows uh, with my friends, Chris and Kristen in Rhode Island where we were in the green room and before the show before i even get on kristen had headphones and in one headphone a being started talking in the other headphone another being interrupted him he said something and the other being said don't do it now wait until they can hear us and kristen is a seasoned investigator both of them are Kristen's testimony was that after being in haunted houses, growing up in a haunted house, encountering a lot of phenomenon, she said that it wasn't pictures flying across the wall that terrified her. She said it was the amount of evil that she felt coming from one ear to the other. And in her response, she told me and Chris, she said, I heard it. She said, I felt it. She said, I took the headphones, threw them out and ran out of the house. These are what I and who, who I believe I am tracking. I do not call them demons. I do not call them aliens. I call them molters. You call them what? Molters. Spell that. Molter. M-O-L-T-E-R-S. Molt. Oh, they molt. I molt. Like molting. Molting. Right. When, you, when I was. Now, I'll shut up after this. 
But I was with my brother one day, and he was showing me his new tarantula. And I'm looking at this tarantula for 30 minutes, and it has not moved. That's when I realized that's not really it. <laughs> so I believe the molting phenomenon we're witnessing is them living through the fetuses they're creating. And then when that dies, I have another baby to inhabit, another fetus. And so it molts one to possess another. This is the self-replication of their species. What about channeling? That's probably where I'll try to end. Is yeah. that sure there's going to be a lot of hoaxers? Mm -hmm. Is there, is it all this particular phenomenon, in your opinion, that is doing that? Or are there some instances where these are legitimately benevolent beings that are working in the channeler's best interest? Okay. What I would look at is it's not the number of negative experiences that concern me. You can have, you know, 25 years of positive experiences and only have maybe three negative experiences. It's not the number of negative, yeah, the number of negative experiences that I'm, I'm drawing attention to. It's the depth of darkness this negative experiences include that in my opinion outweigh the rest and i like an additional christina gomez not too long ago i said okay you know teddy across the street your neighbor great guy when you're on vacation he'll cut your grass at fourth of july he'll invite you over he'll give you the the, the nicest steak you'll ever have the juiciest brat give you the coldest beer great guy until he takes your wife out of her body without her permission it only happened once See where I'm going? It's not the amount, it's the depth. Or, you know, Uncle Johnny, Johnny's a great guy. You know, you, you trust him with everything. Yeah, until he takes Billy. And Billy comes back. Just like Ted Rice. Ted Rice's grandfather. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nail something into the coffin here today. Ted, again, it's not the amount, it's the depth of darkness that outweighs everything. Ted Rice was approached, again, he was a psychic. Worked with Dr. Collector Turner. He's approached by what appeared to be his deceased grandfather mm -hmm. until it tried to assault him as a kid. We cannot measure in numbers. We have to measure in the depth of darkness. Sure, Uncle Johnny's a great guy. 99% of the time. But when he's not, sure, he'll simulate near-death experiences, take you out of your own body, manifest as everything. But God, because God has no image. And see where I'm going here. And, and so, again, that's where I, I conclude, okay, yeah, sure, channeling. Okay, let's get back to channeling. With the remote viewer that I was working with and his son, not him, but his son specifically. So, yeah, man, of course, they gave him all kinds of information. He had prophecies. He would get it back into his body. He would call up local politicians, local celebrities. Hey, listen, your polling is going to drop in a certain location. You need to focus on, you know, focus on the Hispanics and, and not so much on, you know, different kind of variations and populations. And, and then one day you see, oh, okay, this is what they're really doing. And so one day he, he leaves his body and meets his guides in this silver room, just like Ted Rice. It's very interesting. 
And he said when he he realized that there was something wrong with the scenario, it wasn't like all the other scenarios, yet he's looking at his guidance. And, and when he realized that there's only two possibilities, either these are not my real guides, or they've never been my guides at all. And so when he began to question, the next thing he knows, he slammed back into his body. And he has a massive heart attack when they're taking his shirt off from underneath his skin, subdermally, were three religious amulets that pushed themselves to the surface, not unlike ontology. I've had cases of people being attacked and the burning sensation starts from underneath the skin and they see it move to the surface. Not unlike UFO abduction with Betty Luca, where they would peel the soul out of the body or whatever you want to call it. And then when they placed it back into the body, then the skin manifested. You ready for this? Exactly what Ian Stevenson said. Right? It happened to the soul manifest through the body to the skin. Just like those case studies, here we have this remote viewer. And they, he said, and I have pictures of this, it's incredible, that the three religious amulets that the others employed had everything to do with this world and not that world. What? The one was an Egyptian hieroglyphic, angel magic. The other one was the Star of David, and the other one was the cross. So again, can we trust them? Well, they've told me the truth. Okay. Keep on going, right? <laughs> because they're playing the long game. The Collins elite understood that. Our government understands right. that. Parsons does. So I don't trust them. Yeah, that's how you can destroy somebody. Just give somebody 99 tiny things that turn out to be true so you can prepare them for the long, you know, it's the long con, right? Where you get them at the very end with right. something so colossal. Hey, everybody needs to flee their homes immediately because there's going to be... right. You know, massive volcano is going to erupt. And then, you know, you create all sorts of chaos and people die because out of panic as they're stampeding over each other and it doesn't happen. Right. And, and that's the nature, nature of possession. The, the purpose of possession is not pregnant, not just pregnancy. The purpose of possession is not to think for you. It's to think as you. To where... You know, it's no longer, uh, and now I'm channeling it. It's no longer them, it's me. And so there's this, this nature relationship of consent. And in my book, The Skin That Crawls, I call it a protocol of belief. Where we see this in possession in many cases. Uh, in Malachi, Martin highlights that's perfect possession. Where the being will manifest, okay, I'll send you a thought and you'll know it's me. And then once I become an interior entity, there will come a day when I will think for you and you will not be able to determine if it's your thoughts or mine and you'll do what I want you to do. And we've seen this in many cases being employed in the UFO abduction phenomenon. One individual beyond UFOs, not, yeah, beyond UFOs, I think it was where he had a catastrophic motorcycle accident and he was possessed by this, he called it an intelligent electricity, stuck him out of his body. And they told him, essentially, look, your doctors do not have the ability to put your body back together again. We do. So here's your options. I mean, they're not a threat at all. <laughs> yeah. And here's your options. Okay, you can either die, and we'll let you die. Or you can do what we want you to do one day. 
we will tell you. It's like the mob, right? This, you know, right. Do us one favor. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Joey. And yeah, so <laughs> I think that's really what it is. I'll give you an offer you can't refuse. Okay, in interacting with this phenomena, is there anything people can do to fight it? And this is kind of the last, you know, any and any final words of advice regarding it? First of all, test them. If they're your guides, ask them questions. If it is Darren Edna, you know, ask her, okay, what's going on? You would have never told me this 10 years ago. Right. Test the spirits. More than that, iron seems to be a very good, I would call it an amulet even. Here's why, here's why I say that and not crosses or stars of David. Because the game they're playing with these amulets, we're completely ignorant of, my friend. Their way of playing and employing these things, it's interreligious across cultural. We don't do that. So it is angel magic. It has to be. It's what Brahma the Mage believed it was. Mm-hmm. Which, whatever they're doing, they're, and this is why you probably heard me in lectures, they're playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. Mm-hmm. And so now what we're doing at this point is saying, okay, what do they fear the most? Well, we have to understand what they have a faith in. And something that I would prescribe in a way is iron. Iron anything, an iron cross, anything. The earliest I have found that repellent was was in Mesopotamian literature. It was a ritual bowl about Lamashtu. And what these, this this goes to show you the human condition. These women were being visited again by beings that were taking their children from the womb. It's not like, okay, they they, they were, they had sick. No, they're missing. They're gone. And what these women would do is they would create an iron face that resembled their own. Here's why, because the being would descend down upon them and stare into their eyes. And so they believe in hopes. This is, it breaks my heart, really. It's very moving when you think about it, but they really hope that in the middle of the night, that these beings would confuse this face, confuse this face with this, right? Thereby, they would not lose their child. That's where we are. So I would consider iron. All right. Any final words? They're playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. I don't think they're aliens or demons, ghosts, goblins, cryptids. Again, I I think that, in my opinion, we're dealing with a senior intelligence that's been manipulating us throughout millennia, possibly even creating fake religions in order to prop themselves up as authority figures. And the problem is now that the game has evolved to the point where we can no longer vet the alien outside of its manifestation, which is a problem. Yeah, right. You're my dear Ed. Okay. Well, she was a Bulls fan. You're a Rockets fan. We got a problem. You know, she was born in Boston. She loves the Red Sox. Right. This is pretty much what we're dealing with. So, again, the alien, in my opinion, is the newest character of the program. Now you've got to trust me based on no evidence at all. I am who I claim to be. You're Jesus? Eh. <laughs> yeah, in, in, the, in the very beginning, it always it would start with some of these encounters, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm from I'm from Venus. I'm from Mars. 
and then the we look at those things when we look at those things you know then it becomes it evolves a little bit more people get a little bit more educated oh i'm from zeta reticuli right, right. D- and david then, jacob now i'm interdimensional jacob. now i'm interdimensional right right uh i'm your grandfather ted really why are you trying to do this to me my grandfather never did that oh <laughs> don't worry about that that's just an alias right it gets back to civil uh, league right <laughs> Bunch of idiots. don't you guys know this is the newest exception that was intriguing to me why would an alien tell me that why would an alien tell me it's not an alien if it was in fact you know what i mean it's very strange it makes no sense to me. well especially to the intelligence community if you tell them the truth the first thing they're going to assume is it's a lie so of course you tell them the truth it's brilliant brilliant point sir brilliant point but uh at this point in my research a lot of my well a lot of the stuff i'm doing is new to people it's not new to a lot of i don't know some people it is some people it isn't but i'm anxious next year there's a possibility of me lecturing at a massive massive conference across the pond and in a way i will have hopefully brought attention to case studies that people are not interested in or even willing to look at well shining a light on the overall topic is always helpful the more we know the better prepared we are so i appreciate you my friend and and this is all very fascinating thank you thank you brother if you enjoyed this video please click on like subscribe and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime i post something new 